this time for our congregational prayer. And I just wanted to ask the Lord Grandmother is currently got, uh, I think it's endometrial cancer. She's 87 years old now. She's currently in the hospital. They're trying to raise the funds for her surgery, but her family is living the poor side. I've contributed a little bit I could, but pray that she gets the help and assistance she needs and pray for her family. Anyone else? Okay. I'd like to request prayer for my niece's husband, Joel. He's been suffering from <coughs> liver cancer. He's had liver cancer for a couple of years, and um, his health is really deteriorating these days. Yeah, some of you may know there was a prayer request for Tony Lau. Um, that's Helen Hostetter's son. He's going for a gallbladder surgery tomorrow. And I'm sure he would appreciate our prayers. Any others? Not? Okay. Our Father, we give you thanks for this privilege of coming to you to not only recognize who you are and what you've already done, Lord, but you ask us to bring our needs before you. And you promise that you'll hear. You promise that you'll respond. And Lord, each time that I pray, I'm reminded of the Gospels and how it says that when Jesus saw the people, he had compassion. And we would ask for each one who was mentioned here this morning and others who weren't specifically mentioned that we've been praying for before, Lord, that you look with compassion. That when you respond in your strength and in your healing, 
as needed in this situation. Thank you for the goodness of the praise you poured earlier, Lord, for what you've already done. We don't want to take it for granted and don't want to treat you as a dispenser of the things we need, Lord, but you're the one with the answers. You're the one that holds all things in your hand. And so we appropriately come to you seeking your direction and your will. And so, Father, we lift up this morning with this nephew who has gone through an illness and is now paralyzed and very weak and his fathers seemingly don't have the answers. Lord, would you show them what is happening, what his body needs to recover from this, and would you send your hand to assist in that healing work and bring him back to health. We pray for this uh, grandmother that's playing with Sam's that uh, has cancer and uh, doesn't have the funds for the surgery. Lord, we know that you could reach down and bring healing to health through your redeeming power. If that would be your will, we ask that you would do that. Lord, if you want to use the doctors, we ask that you would connect the family with those you've already supplied with the funds to make this surgery possible. We pray for Yvonne's niece, his healthy daughter, and the cancer that he was walking through. There's so many problems, one type or another of cancer. We ask for your healing. We ask for Jacqueline, she cares for the children and watches the one that she loves walk through this to make sure she's pained. If there are anxious moments, Lord, would you just bring peace and strength? Lord, we continue to pray for Tony. You know our hearts for weeks. We've been praying for various health problems. Now would you get us for attention to one of those problems? Would you direct the doctors as they operate on this heart matter? We ask that there be no complications and the process would go well. And you would bring healing to his body. And then you would give the doctors wisdom as they continue to assess the other needs that he has. Lord, he's been out of work because of all these health issues that you provide. And Miraculous way. Show him your goodness. Pray for Helen, his mother, as she watches him and cares for him. She's dealing with trials for her. Lord, would you strengthen her to go as well? Father, lift up Dick and Charlotte. We celebrate tomorrow as his birthday. We thank you for bringing them to be a part of our family here. And Lord, for weeks now, they haven't been able to be with us in person because of this health issue. We ask that this morning you make them aware that we're praying for them and care for them. You care for them. And I pray that many would be encouraged to reach out tomorrow and just uplift their spirits during this time. Father, we pray for the mission trip that's been presented. We, as a mission committee, believe that are directing in this way and believe that you're going to work out the finances, the travel arrangements, the details there of the mission, and who do you want to be part of this? So Lord, would you help us be receptive? Show us if you are calling us to be a part of this ministry that you're doing. And Father, we pray for Colin this morning. 
we ask for healing on her behalf as well. Again, bring healing from cancer to her. Father, we pray for the upcoming Easter services and ask that um, you would direct us in who we should invite, who should we be contacting and making aware of that we, after this long year of COVID, we want to do something special. You have a message you want to put. So would you help us to invite you? Lord, we pray for our nation. Um, we're thankful you've placed us in a nation where, for most of our lives, we have been free to worship you, free to serve you in the way we desire, Lord. And for the most part, the government supported us. Lord, it seems we're entering a time that could be challenged, and right now there's this equality act before our Congress to take away some of our rights and privileges that we've been afforded. Lord, we ask that you would direct our leaders to fight against this. But Lord, if that's not where you are in this season, if you are needing to send judgment on some, we ask that you would keep those of us who believe in you strong. Regardless of what our government does, Lord, we can walk wholeheartedly. Lord, that's what we're going to be talking about this morning in the message. So I ask that you would direct the words where you want them to go, that you would speak to our hearts about giving all to make you known, regardless of what's around us. And once again, invite your spirit to make his presence known and to do his work. Well, as we've already said, it's, it's March, and I'm glad that that's here. And today we're going to be wrapping up our series, Cat and Dog Theology. We haven't talked a whole lot about cat and dogs in the last couple of weeks, but the, the message has started with the idea that there's those who are cats who receive everything from God and think, oh, it's all about me. And then there's those who receive everything from God, like a dog, and say, oh, it's all about him. How good he is. And uh, in honor of finishing up that series today, I have a couple dog jokes that I want to share with you. The first one is about a burglar who breaks into a home and he climbs in the window and he starts going around and putting items in his bag and he hears someone say, Jesus is watching you. He looks around, he stops, doesn't see anyone, so he goes back to putting things in his bag and again he hears, Jesus is watching you. And he starts and looks again, and this time he sees a parrot. And he realizes that the parrots are talking. He says, who are you? The parrot says, Moses. <laughs> and uh, the parrot says, Moses, that's an odd name. Who would name a parrot Moses? The parrot says, I don't know. I guess the same people who would name a lot follow Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't catch that, Jesus was watching them. <laughs> Another story. <laughs> Another story about a dog, a stranger who was in a small town and walked into the country store, and as he walked in, he saw a sign that said, Beware of dog, danger. And then he was a little hesitant, but it was the only store in town. It was too far to go somewhere else, so he thought, Well, I'll go ahead and go in, but I'll be cautious. And he walked in, and the first thing he saw 
was a big old hound dog stretched out across the floor asleep. And he said to the owner of the store, he said, is this the dog I'm supposed to be aware of? Did you said danger? He said, yeah. He said, before I put up the sign, everybody tripped over it. <laughs> Just a little humor, but um, we want to be maybe not like the sleeping dog, but we want to be like the dogs we talked about in the first few weeks that see all that God is doing and we turn our thanks to him. And so, much like we did with the young people here, since this is our last week, I want to do a quick review of where we've been, this being the beginning of March, we're two months into the year, where we've been so far this year. And we started out with a message called A New Road for 2021. We talked about sending your mind on things above. Is there someone who would be willing to share something that has impacted you from that message? Something that you're trying to do, or something that spoke to you, or uh, anyone willing to share? If you remember, I shared from that message the one thing that I'm trying to change this year is to not speak harshly to Susan. It's an ongoing battle. We're working on someone else. I'll give you another opportunity. We spent seven weeks and now on tapping our theology. Could anybody or would anybody share something that has impacted you from the messages on tapping our theology on God's word? God is God and we're not. Yes? Anyone else? We depend on Him for our life. We depend on Him for our life. Yes? How we share the good news is the biggest impact of the devil. It is. If you didn't hear that, how easy it is to think like a cat rather than a dog. It is easy. Our nature is to go that direction. to just sing songs of worship, but to bring worship to God. Pretty bad. Why did I ask this question? The answer probably is, is, is pretty obvious, but I was thinking this week, if the messages we're hearing isn't motivating us, and I say us, but it probably includes me, isn't in motivating us to grow in our relationship with God. If these messages on Sunday are just words and we forget about them on Monday morning, then we're wasting our time. Because the whole point of what we're doing here as a body, as a church, is to learn more about who God is, to know Him deeper, and to better make Him known. That's our role as a church. And if the words that are being shared, and I'm, I'm convinced that um, God 
is directing what is being shared. If we, including me, aren't hearing what he's saying and applying it to our lives, then we're wasting our time. And we need to make sure that we're doing something that we're hearing. These messages on God's glory and the fact that he is God and we are not. That we depend on him for everything. We are to be a, live a life of worship. Those things should be changing what we're doing, causing us to reflect on what's happening. So, we kind of summed up the first two messages by saying we are to live a life of worship. If God is God, and he deserves glory, then all of our lives should be about worship. And we said that uh, in order to do that, we needed to live a life of delight. And I was told this week that I'm going to show pictures of food like that, but I need to have the food available. <laughs> um, I don't know about that, but uh, I'll think about that. So we're going to live a life of delight and learn to know God deeply and appreciate him. And then the last message that we had, we learned about depending on God. So the life of worship is a life of dependence. And we had the picture of the turtle illustrate. Um, you know, that picture makes this question, how did the turtle get there? We had to have some help. People should point to our lives and say, how did they get there? They had some help from God. That's what our lives should demonstrate. So to start this morning, we're going to wrap things up with, if you haven't guessed, advertising God as part of a life of worship. And I want to start out with this question. There's some names that are going to appear on the screen, and uh, can anyone tell me who these people or organizations are? Anybody recognize any of those names? No? All right. Let's try this. Do you recognize this slogan? What's it for? Rice Krispies. How about the next one? Lay's potato chips. Yes. How about the next one? FedEx. Yes. How about the last one? Yes. Mikey. So, those names at the beginning, a little harder to read now, but we can identify the companies. Why can't we identify the people who wrote them? Their name's not in the ad. It's not about them. And they are a perfect illustration. These are phrases that almost all of us could say and refer to the product. The product is famous. The person who wrote it isn't. And it's a picture of what our lives are to be. They're not the ones who are supposed to be memorable. The one they represent is. And that's how we want to live our lives. In a way that we're not memorable, God is. We need to stop worrying about what people think about us. And start worrying about what people think about God. First Corinthians 3.7 kind of makes this point. Paul says, neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. And here Paul is specifically talking about um, making disciples, those who spread the word, and that God is the one who brings the growth. But it's really applicable, applicable to anything in our spiritual life. 
We aren't anything without God. We've already looked at John 15, 5 several times. It says, without me, you can do nothing. And this just reaffirms that. There's nothing we can do in our life. And this is the point we've really been trying to make throughout this whole series on cat and dog theology, that we're not the ones that are important. God is, and he's the one that should get noticed. This week, I asked permission to share this story. Um, I don't know how many of you heard that the cops, James and Laura, Jay, who had a fire um, and at their farm. The way Laura described it to me in a text was, we had a thermal event with the light display. <laughs> <laughs> I was able to decipher that they had a fire. And uh, when she got here later that morning, um, fortunately, there were no major results. And she told me the story. And she, I was encouraged to hear her, her share in her story. And I believe, from what I heard, that it was through God was working. And so I'm sure I'll miss some things, but I want to try to quickly tell you the story that Laura told me. At about 10 till 6 on Thursday morning? Monday. Monday morning. Uh, thank you. Uh, Jay uh, had gotten up and was going uh, to go swimming at a gym or gym or something, and he left. And as he left, it activated some cameras and things that are around the house, which woke up Laura, and that in turn woke up James. <laughs> and um, anyways, as they stood there without going into all the details, James was a little laid back down and looked out curtain at about 6 a.m., 10 minutes later, and according to Laura's words, kind of did lay down, hopped back up, and, and said, the barn's on fire, and ran to care for it while Laura called the fire department, and she had the times on her phone, so she could tell these times, at about 6 a.m., she made the call to 911, got dressed, went outside to help. By the time she got out there, they found that the fire wasn't actually in the barn, but was behind an outdoor uh, wood stove that they had that heats the whole house. Water runs through it in the back of the house. And wood behind that apparently had gotten sparked either the evening before when the fire was stoked or sometime over the night out of the flu. And it had smoldered for a while. And between the time Jay left at 10 to 6 and 6 o'clock, it had burst into flames, and the flames were high enough that they thought at the time it was the barn. James was able to sort of knock over the pile of wood that, that was burning and dispersed it. By the time the fire truck got there, the flames were minimal, and they said, well, I guess we're not really needed. And they spent a good bit of time uh, after that with the water goes, just spraying things down and getting rid of the last embers and smolders and things like that. And you might say, well, that's an interesting story. But, you know, as, as Laura talked to me, it was obvious in her voice that she could see that, um, God was working. Jay hadn't been to the pool in a while, was my understanding, and when he hadn't gone to, he wasn't open and enjoying this one. So this was the first time he was going. And there was no fire at 10 minutes to 6, but there was fire at 6 o'clock. If Jay had not, excuse me, James had not opened the curtain and peeked out, he wouldn't have seen it. And I, I know I'm missing some details that Laura told me, um, but Who's the important person in this story? Is it Jay? Because 
he had if he hadn't gone to the gym, nobody would have woke up. Is it James because he's the one that ran outside and pushed over the, the timbers that were burning to get the things to go down enough that they could deal with it? Is it Laura because she ran the water hose and called the fire department? It was the imperfect person of God who coordinated all of those events so that they wouldn't have a significant loss that they thought. And I choose to believe um, all the details that were shared that this was a God thing. And part of what we need to do when we have these kind of moments is tell the story of what God is doing and how he coordinates things. And some people might say, that's all just coincidence. There were too many coincidences. One of the things I didn't share is the night before there was a coffee party that had been there for several days, the evening before James had moved it. There had been lost in the fire. There's a couple other things that I'm forgetting at the moment, but the point is there were too many coincidences for it to not be God. And those are the kind of things that we need to give God credit for. We're going to turn to Matthew chapter 5. Kind of sum up our uh, our time that we've had in talking about God's glory. We're going to look at verses 13 to 16. It says, "You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden." Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So in these verses, we again see that we are indeed to be a light. Something that impacts those around us. We're to be displaying God to those around us. And in that last verse, it says... Let your good deeds shine before men so that the Father is praised, so that he receives the glory he deserves that we've been talking about for these last seven weeks. But what are these good deeds? What are the things that Jesus is asking us, God is asking us to do to help make him known? Well, we started in the middle of the chapter. I believe that they're found back at the beginning of the chapter, in the Beatitudes. You've read these before. But I think Jesus listed these and then began to talk about letting your light shine. This is how we let our light shine to the community around us. Verse 1. Now when he saw the crowds, he went up to them on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We know them as the Beatitudes. 
there's some some words there that we've probably read so many times that they seem familiar and we skip over and we don't really think about what it means. And so the first one is poor in spirit. What does it mean to be in poor in spirit? As I studied that, I found out it can mean to be poor financially. But it can also mean to be poor in um, your emotions. People who are spiritually and emotionally in need of God's help. They recognize they don't have what life requires, that it has to come from God. And when we get to that point, it says we're blessed. That we live, it again points back to that dependence that we talked about last week or the last time I spoke. The dependence that we need to have on God. That's being poor in spirit. Not thinking we're sufficient in ourselves as humans tell us we can be. But being dependent on God for everything. People who are poor in spirit are people who understand that salvation comes only from God and we rely on Him. The next thing we see are mourners, and we talked about this some back in December as we talked about the uh, gift exchange that Jesus does for us and how he takes away mourning. So I won't spend a lot of time on this. But anything that's a loss to us can cause mourning. It's that realization that we talked about that the world isn't the way God intended it originally to be, the way he created it to be. And it's appropriate to mourn for that. Because we're longing for the kingdom that God wants to bring. When we're mourning, we should be mourning because of the kingdom that doesn't yet exist the way it should. And mourning like that, not as without hope, but mourning with hope for what will come, will be as an example to the world that we're drawing to God. The next thing we see is humility, or being humble. This is a tough one for us. It's what makes this, this whole thing of seeing God instead of seeing ourselves a struggle. Because we naturally raise ourselves up. But the humble or the meek are the ones who are living like Jesus did. I shared. Um, some of what I read this week about Moses, and the same is true of Jesus. Jesus never tried to defend himself from the attacks the Pharisees and the others brought. He could have. He could have destroyed them all and gone back to heaven. But he was humble because he was following God's will, not his own. And this is the opposite of what the world would do. The world is all about putting oneself first. And if we do it differently, we will stand out and point to God. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. That again, um, just like foreign spirit, can represent a couple things. It could represent justice. That we desire God's justice to be done for all. And then we also hunger for God's righteousness, for things to be right. And that we live in a way that demonstrates our passion, our focus is on God. That we delight in God. That is part of the being a hunger and thirst for righteousness, where we are more concerned about God than the things 
which is his, that we've already talked about. Merciful. This is a big one. One that I think many Christians struggle with. Scripture says, judge that you be not judged, and yet we struggle not to judge. We want a world who doesn't know Jesus to be like Jesus before they know him. We want to preach to them and have the government make everybody Christ-like before they can join us. But they're not. God's calling us to be merciful to the world around us and show them there's another option. If we don't look any different than the world, why would they want to be us? God is calling us to a life of mercy. He said it way back in Micah 6 8. He has showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly. Let's hear that. Three little things that are just listed in the Beatitudes. That's what God asks of us. We need to live a life of mercy. That we are compassionate. Like Jesus, when he saw the people and had compassion on them. We need to do the same thing. Responding in judgment is never going to come up well. Responding in mercy will. Pure in heart. If I could put one word there, it's integrity. Later in Matthew, Jesus said these words, Matthew 15, 8 to 9, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. It is not enough to say the right things. We need to be the right thing inside. I've always heard integrity described as who or what you are when nobody's around to see you. That's pure in heart. If you're doing the right thing, even when no one is around to see you. And then peacemakers. We're called to live a life of peace. As much as it relies on you to live peaceably with all men. How do you do that? Do we do that through our government? Making sure that they're keeping us at peace? Do we do it by shouting louder than the other people? Do they follow what we want? Do we do it by intimidation? Obviously none of those are the right answers. Later in chapter 5 of Matthew that we were reading, Jesus says, I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. I don't know how many of you have heard about this Equality Act. If you haven't, I encourage you to look it up. There are people who want to suppress our voices, who want to make government serving the Lord. Peter and John answered that a long time ago. Judge for yourselves whether it's right to obey man or to obey God. And obviously I would desire that the Senate votes against this bill that's already been approved by the Congress that would try to uh, inhibit our rights and what we do. But to be honest, they can't. 
whether they pass that bill or not, I will continue to preach God's word. I will continue to live God's direction in my life. And each one of us need to do that. So then what do we do for those who are trying to take that away? It says we pray for them. We love for them. We don't scream at them. We don't talk about how evil they are. We, we have mercy on them. We try to build peace and show them there's another way. And finally, it says persecuted. There are some, and no matter whether we live exactly like Christ did or not, just don't accept the message. Obviously, there were time, people in Jesus' time who didn't have the right crucified. Some will persecute you whether you live a perfect life or not. Why does he say we're blessed if we're persecuted and we're not taking our message of the truth? Because it means that we are successful. That we are going to hear well done, good and faithful service. Because we understood our responsibility isn't to make everyone else perfect. It's to try to align ourselves with God and live the life and we do that He has a home for us here. Persecution shouldn't be something we're afraid of. It should simply be a continuation of our like who the Lord is and what he deserves from us. I have a few more points. I'm going to send them out in an email. I took a little bit long with my Bible reading today. Um, and I really wasn't sure whether I should put them in the message or not. I tried to squeeze them in. And I really feel like God was saying, you said enough. So as we wrap up this series, if you want to go to the final slide for me, please. The way we would sum all this up is our life is supposed to be saying God is. We don't have to wear a shirt like this every day. How we live our life should be saying God is like this. And he wants you to know. It should be like the mirror that we talk about they're not seeing us, they're seeing the reflection of God instead of seeing us. We're not the one that matters. So the question is, as we go out today, what do people know about God by knowing me? And have I sacrificed all of myself so that he receives all of the glory? Father, we thank you for this talent What you call us to is difficult. But would you so fill us with the light in who you are that it becomes easy, that it becomes our greatest desire to live a life that trains others to you, that we are aware of what you're doing and respond. Lord, make yourself